Alright, so no, welcome back to the latest Fearless and Devotion podcast with me, Tim, and Andy is also with me. Uh, Reese, the lesser spotted Reese, will be with us next week, hopefully, from his soirees over in France at the Rugby World Cup. Uh, and Liam will be joining us shortly, as well as our special guest, which we'll come to shortly. But before then, this uh, pod, as always, is sponsored by Fat Boss. We thank them for their continued sponsorship. Um, good people, thank you very much, Rich and Co. Anyway, we have a match to discuss before we dive into the nitty gritty of our guest. Um, Wrexham three, Crew Alexander three. Andy, what did you uh, <laughs> pick the bones out of that? There's oh, there's a lot. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot there. Um, I don't think we started very well. I don't think we really uh, grabbed hold of the match. I think, uh, I think the way we're playing at the moment. Um, it's very much with the, the, the full, and I mentioned this last week, but but our wing backs are so far up the pitch, it's almost stick or twist, really. I think what Crew did yesterday, they they had a high line, they squeezed all our play, and we could just couldn't really get anything going. Everything was in such a such a tight little area that there wasn't any really space for us to run into. Um, then it became the referee show, really. Um, what was his name? Arby, was it? I can't remember now. Swarby, Swarby, Swarby. That's that's the guy. It, yeah, he went through a whole Ooh. repertoire of uh, of refereeing uh, flair uh, and flamboyances. Um, if you sort of take it take it um, time by time, like the Barnet one, um, I saw the tackle, but I didn't. I was I was because I was in the L stand. I was the other side of it, so I could see that Barnet went into him. My mate Chris said straight away, "You could be off here." Um, and we were sort of showing the replays to people and everyone had like a slightly different view. Some people around me thought it was a definite red, others not so sure. My personal thing is I think he slipped, he's taken him, he hasn't gone in to do him. And maybe the referee could have seen the conditions and maybe made an allowance for, for Ryan Barnett there. Uh, I think looking back at it again and again, I don't think... There's much ground for appeal, though, because he has caught him. What did you think, Tim? You you were the other side of the ground, weren't you? Yeah, I mean, it's getting appealed, isn't it? I, I, there's still a lot of debate raging on Twitter today as to whether it's a it's a definite red or whether it isn't. Um, it seems to be that the consensus are saying it is a red. At the time, I thought it didn't look too clever, but he's just lost control of the ball. I mean, their lad hasn't really gone for it either. They just end up clashing. It's just a sort of tangle of legs and it's unfortunate. It's not nasty. It's not malicious. It's clumsy. No, no he um, hasn't got him to do him. It's not your no. classic red card. The problem was, and, and I think uh, Mike, um, who's on Twitter, um, blind ref, he, he is a referee and he kind of went for it chapter and verse in the sense that, bizarrely, the, the referee went over to the crew players first after it happened which plants a seed of doubt even further in his head if, if there wasn't one already. Uh, Mullins then told Barnett to sort of move away from the scene because they all kind of, from from that straight away, I thought it could be gone. So the yeah. fact that we thought it probably red would suggest, I mean, they're closer to the action. They see it for what it is. And I don't know, it's 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 a, it's a tough one to take. And I, I'm, I'm with you, I don't see it getting overturned. Yeah. No. It'll just add, add insult to injury from, from the referee's performance yesterday. So I don't see it getting overturned. Uh, and that that gives um, gives an opportunity for Ford to come back in. Um, yeah, he's fit, isn't he? I think so, yeah. I think he is. So, you know, we've got 
we've got options there now, haven't we? As, as we've seen, a Parky Chains made three or four um, mm. more changes in three of note, particularly with Arthur Conco in goal. And I thought Conco. he did well, by the way. I thought yeah, he, did really he, he, he couldn't really do much about the goals. He made that cracking save. Um, really good save, which big he'd kick. expect. Yeah, big kick. Um, still not vocal enough for me. You need a vocal keeper. I'm, I'm still not hearing any noise from him. Well, you'd probably one. hear him more, wouldn't you, from where, where, you, where you sit? So yeah. you'd probably be right no. behind the goal, aren't you? I'm nitpicking. I'm not going to tell him that he's not vocal enough. He's a big lad. Um, and obviously, no O'Connor, no Young, uh, and in comes James Jones and um, George Evans. I thought Evans had a great game. I think he returned yeah. for Tuesday onwards. Um, I think Tom O'Connor is probably lucky to even Stay in the squad, personally. I, I would have put I would have put him below Young. To be honest, I thought Young was very unlucky not to not yeah. to make the sixteen. Um, I think there's a touch of the Brad Walker about Evans. He's got that same sort of style where he picks the ball up and he uses it simply. Um, you know, he's 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 not going to take it and break the lines or you know or run forward and go past two or three players, but I don't want him to do that. What I want him to do is be a proper defensive mid who spots danger where when our fullbacks are so high up the pitch. Now, we sort of touched on this on, on Stockport, but if you think of the three centre halves, there's so much there's so much space to um space to cover once the fullbacks are so far far up. Now if you look how like a Man City would do it, the three centre halves is almost like they're on they're like they're like on elastic bands. They all move in absolute tandem. So if one goes if one goes to the right, they'll all sort of move up a little bit and cover the space there. And I'm not quite sure we're doing that at the moment. I think one's going too far right, one's going too far left, and Tozer is a little bit exposed. I think we were better yesterday, and I think Tozer had a far better game yesterday than than we did against Stockport. So pretty good comeback there. But I still think. I still think we're working on that a little bit. Um, and I think maybe Evans coming and dropping in and maybe seeing some danger and filling in as and when needed might might be a might be a good long term solution there. I don't think we're gonna go away from the from the way we play. I think it does leave us quite open and we are shipping a lot of goals. But I do think there's the potential for that formation and that way to play to really click at some point this season. I mean, um, at what point is a point? We're 10 games in, we've shipped 23 goals. Granted, we've scored 23 goals, but no team is going to go up shipping that many goals. That's that's a fact. Um, um, we can't play that goal, oh, you're going to score one, we'll score two. Just, it just you can't do it. And like, you know, Boyle was, was dreadful yesterday. He was. Yeah. I mean, he lost yeah, no, his yeah. man for the first goal. Gave um, away the penalty. I don't know what he's doing for the third one. He didn't give away a penalty. It was McLean. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. I was bad mouthing Boyle all the way, all the way home. Boyle remonstrated with the linesman calmly. Ah, uh, and then he got booked. Yes, he got yeah. booked. Um, but if you believe any crew um, bloggers, they will also tell you they believe James McLean should be sent off as well for dissent. Blah 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 blah. Anyway, I digress. Um, yeah. Defensive so, anyway, issue. While we're on the penalty, you, you got a better view of it than me. I saw a leg come out and the guy go over, but it looked like he from, sort of jumped from, over the leg a little bit. From our angle, right, he, he wins the ball. He toe pokes the ball away from him, then gets the man second, right? Having watched the replay back from where the referee would see it, 
it looks more of a stonewaller. So I can understand why he's given it from his angle. From from our right. angle, we were like, can't believe he's, he's given it. Um, it's a combination of, of of the referee being poor and and misfortune. That just just the way it happened for us yesterday it was it was a such a, an odd thing. And you know, I, I don't. You know, there's, there's a couple of stone walls for us. There's clearly a handball for us. One of them. There's one with Palmer gets pulled down. What nobody's talking about is the one where Fletcher gets hold down in like the 96th minute after mm. we after we made it through each. So there's lots to take out of it. But let's be honest. The way we performed that first half, you would have took a draw because we were woeful, and we we still haven't seen yet really the real Wrexham at this stage yeah. of the season. We we don't know what we're going to get from week to the next, but you know I kind of feel that the this run of games, the Stockport one was tough, and um, through was, was Mansfield pretty, pretty tough. Mansfield and Crawley next are not going to be easy. You know no. you've got Davis Keeler done. Used to play for us. Knocking in the goals for fun at, at Mansfield. I think he's got nine already, eight or nine already. Um, and Crawley, I can't remember the name of their manager, but they're playing some fabulous stuff under them. And they're going yeah. pretty well as well. So, big week, you know. And I said to this the, the other day, if if we don't, if we only get one point of these next two, God forbid, is that the first little bit of concerted pressure early doors on Parkey? Does he then look at having to... Maybe change the system to to. He will not change the system. He, he's not going to change the system. There, 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 there has to be a point where you go. Well, it's not working. Twenty-three goals shipped. It isn't working. It isn't working, is it? So it has to no. change. I just think that if they are going to play that free at the back, they have to defend more as a unit and and stay closer together than what what they are at the moment. They're spreading too much. Uh... <sighs> I mean, I, I just can't see him changing the system. I do actually think we played a lot better when we went to a back four, but I think that was fired up by a, a sense of injustice. And you know what Wrexham are like when the, the, all through 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 me watching them, every time there's been like uh, a debatable or they think they're on the wrong end of a controversial decision, Wrexham up their game, and they did yesterday. One plus point. I was talking to Chris about 20 minutes in and I said, Mullen's done nothing this game. And then he, you know, we sort of said, well, Mullen's done nothing this season. You know, obviously he's coming back from injury, but you wanted something to light the blue touch paper. Oh my God, did he light that blue touch paper? Now it's a brilliant first goal, but I think the second one's even even a better finish. It's just like I mean, first goal's great because it's out of nothing, and like, we 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 were all looking at each other, going, oh, we we've got we've got one back. We're in this. It's an equaliser out of nowhere, totally against the run of play. Amazing goal. But that second one, it's just. All of it, the ball in, the chest off by Palmer. You could already see him making his run, like wrapping around the back. And it's such a good finish. Crew fans are like pillaring their goalkeeper. Um, they made him a bit of a scapegoat for yesterday, but I don't think he could do really anything about the goals he scored, to be honest. I don't mm. see what 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 they're complaining about. But yeah, Mullin, he, he's even said he's still not 100%. If he's still not 100% and he's, he's putting in a shift like that after a tough week, obviously his, his, his granddad died. Um, so yeah, he's it's just just unreal. Isn't he? What a player! I mean, 80, 80 goals and one hundred and one appearances. I mean, we are uh, for, for it sounds melodramatic, but we're kind of witnessing greatness. I suppose this doesn't matter about the level. You know, this generation of fans will be talking about Paul Mullen for years, decades to come. They'll tell their kids, they'll tell their grandkids. Oh, there's this guy. A working class hero from Merseyside. Yeah. Loves girls, loves us. He's just 
it was yeah, it's, it was just it's just a continued privilege to watch him play, really. Yeah, the, the heroes we grew up with, the likes of Trundle, Morel. I mean, they didn't. I mean, Morel had one good season and he left. We never really got a full purple patch of them. We never really got two or three seasons where they were consistently banging them in. Yeah. Um, but we've had that with Mullin, and I, for one, it's a joy, it's just a joy to watch. That that's what makes us unique in that you never you sell very seldom maybe Gary Bennett, but very seldom do you get a player who knocks in goals for fun. And you get to keep them because yeah. get, they get picked off at a high level. Bit mm. better money, better prospects. See you later. Fine, you scored forty goals. Good luck to you. Did that with Louis Mull when we were much less well off. Now we're in a position where we don't have to sell. There's more prestige. Mullen's having a book out. You know, he's on a documentary. He's he's he's, he's able to uh, to to really push and drive home the autism message as well. It's it's he's using his platform for good all the time. All the time, and you never see him use it for anything else, and that's that's the measure of the man he is, really. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. I'm just. It's just. It's an absolute pleasure to have him represent us, not only on the pitch but off the pitch as well. So going back to the referee, I think what really sort of summed it up for me it was a time in the second half where a ball went over, um, and Palmer was about to go through, and a, and a lad yanked him down. Yanked him down, and he didn't even give a yellow card. Yeah. But it, that's just... people will look at Palmer and the battery around me and go, "Wow, he's gone down too 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 easy." That, that's the issue that we'll have with the likes of Palmer and Fletcher. If they get hold down, the referee will go, "You're a big lad. You're 15, 16 stone ripped. There's no way you should be going down that easily." But um, you know, it is a foul. It's, it's a yellow give, card. It's a it's a nailed on yellow card. He didn't give anything, did he? Really, he was very, he was very very poor. He he booked uh, six of our players and the manager, including the manager. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't send Parky off. I was I was expecting the worst for that as well. But yeah, just not. He was consistent of being poor. Like I said that yesterday on the spaces. He's consistent of being poor, and you have an element of of. Um, sympathy for the referees because you know it's a hard job it's a thankless task and somebody's got to do it but if you are going to do it don't make it about you yeah you know? and also get out of the bloody way there were so many times he was nearly in the way of the, the, the sodding ball good referee will almost become invisible to the match you know apart apart from where they have to call the obvious stuff the clear and obvious stuff yeah. and there was the problem yesterday is that there was clear and obvious things and it was just, it was just unbelievable. It was, he just didn't really want to give anything away, and yeah, I couldn't really, couldn't really fathom that that performance. It was a tough one to take. Do you think that the actual standard of refereeing overall has gone up since uh, since we we came up from non-league? Um, not really. Fits and starts, but no. I wouldn't say there's a massive. Wouldn't say there's a massive difference in, in the refereeing standard. Um, there's a massive, there's a notable, noticeable difference in performance levels of Division of League Two and the National League. It's a lot faster, it's a lot sharper. There's more pressing. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean officials. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's it, I kind of feel like I've banished the National League years to the distant past now. To be honest. Apart from last season, I just kind of like book ended it now. I don't really want to think about it, but yeah, on the whole, pretty pretty dull. 
No, but yeah, overall, I, th- I think it's a, it's a, just a no- another enjoyable spectacle of a game. And I think once we went down to 10 men, that sort of sense of injustice, it, it is like we, you know, we don't, we don't roll over easily, uh, Stockport aside. Uh, and it just had sort of echoes of that, of that Swindon win where we, even though we were down to 10, we kept attacking, we kept we kept sort of forcing the issue, and I think we we got our desserts at the end, uh, which with a, a pretty good goal from from Fletcher. I, I think Fletcher's going to be our fifteen minute player, isn't he? He's going to be the the guy, especially when you've got five five people who can come off the subs bench. He just offers some that something a little bit different with a twenty minute blast at the end. Yeah, I just think I think he's kind of like the our, our latest super sub, isn't it? Our sort of John Paskin from yesteryear. I just don't think he's. I still don't think he's. People are clamouring for him to start. I, I don't see that happening. No, not about Palmer. Not Palmer does. Uh, looking at that yesterday, he's does such an important job for us. A very thankless, and he, but you know, a very he's integral to how we play. He is. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, he's, he's he's a solid solid acquisition. Um, and it kind of makes me think that the whole Rick Armstrong thing was almost like a blessing in disguise. It didn't happen. Instead of paying half a million for a play, we've got somebody who, um, who you know, is to all intents and purposes is doing really well for us. But there we go. I digress. Anyway, um, time for our special guest, I guess. Um, <laughs> this we're breaking new ground with this because this is our first ever, as far as I'm aware, pretty much anyway. Um, sort of person who's had no real affiliation with Wrexham, so a non non Wrexham ex player or ex manager. We decided to get him on because he's recently been in um, the Welcome to Wrexham uh, episodes in season two, um, amongst other things. But you already know who's on this pod. He needs very, very little introduction. Founder, chairman, manager, owner of Dorking Wanderers Football Club. Uh, friend to every club going. Friends with Oldham, friends with Notts County, friends with Wrexham, friends wherever he goes because of just the way he is. So... Let's bring him in, shall we, Andrew? Um, yeah. Let's bring, um, this, we'll bring him in. This is Mr. Mark White, if you don't already know. Mark, are you there? Are you with us? I'm, I'm okay, mate. Yeah, I'm good. I'm just checking everything's working okay. It is. I've even brought my cap just out of, <laughs> you know. How do you wear it? Have you got to wear it high? No, nah, to be fair, mate, people... Where anywhere you're okay where you are. It depends what sort of day you're having, really. Want to be in car thief mode or just sort of under the radar mode? There's lots of different ways of doing it, mate. Are you boys what good? Mode? Yeah. What mode are you in right now? Um, relaxed. I've been looking forward to talking about officials all day because oh, I think I've got an obsession with them. So uh, um, yeah, I'm excited to be fair, mate, and looking forward to meeting you boys. I've, I've watched a little bit of your stuff, and uh, it's very good. Lifelong football people, so you're all, you know, I'm just a lifelong football fan like you people. We don't have the yeah. bells and whistles of uh, of uh, under the cosh, unfortunately. We're, we're not that fortunate. But, you know, we, we can do it from afar, and it's all about the questions you ask and the banter you have. That's the way I look at it. So That's it, mate. So there we are. But, no, really, really appreciate you joining us. You're a busy man. Um, but you must That's be fine, fun. mate. Let, let's, let's go from the top, because before we get into your kind of your appearance on, on Welcome to Rex in the documentary. We kind of want to like discuss two matters which are relevant to you and Dorking Wanderers and us as Wrexham fans, right? So <laughs> yesterday, you go up to Hartlepool, you beat them 2-0, um, 
Um, that's your fifth clean sheet in the last seven games so far this season. And you only managed to keep, was it seven clean sheets in the entirety of last season? So, right, Wrexham, if you don't already know, we got some serious issues at the back. Scored 23, conceded 23. Can you give us an idea of how you're keeping clean sheets, please? Because we, we could really do with that knowledge. Well, blimey, I mean, I'm sure Parky can, uh, Parky be sort of trying to make a plan for his mate. He's far more experienced than me. But I mean, from our point of view, we've just put a few more players in the team with more resilience. That's the bottom line. There's a trade-off, isn't there? There is a trade-off. I think uh, you boys have sort of been a bit like us, actually. You, you was almost a better version of us. High scoring, but also high conceding at times last year as well. And I remember that. Was it 5-4, the home game, Barnet? 6-5? Yeah. 5 it was, yeah, I think. Or was it 7-5? 7-5, yeah. Yeah. So you don't really get scores like that in football, do you? Do you know what I mean? Like basketball scores. <laughs> but I think you have to you have to make a decision to make a trade-off. Um, and um, that's what we've done. And uh, brought in a few players with more resilience, Ask certain players not to get ahead of the ball, stay behind it. And they're the basics behind it, to be fair. Obviously, you know, there's always the odd individual that might not be up to the level you're at. We had that last year, so we brought in boys that improve us. And and I've no doubt that Parky, um, for you boys, will be going through the process of critiquing that as well. I wouldn't imagine he's going to sit on that. No, you'd think not, wouldn't you? You'd think not. But I mean... (sighs) I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, we, we've got an idea of, of your sort of management style. You don't really rant and rave. You get your message off, you know, fairly straightforward and you tell it how it is. We've seen a little bit of Parky's enthusiasm in the dressing room. Um, I imagine that there would have been a bit of enthusiasm in the dressing room yesterday because we were shit first half and then it's a lot, lot better second half. If you're If you're in that dressing room, right, and you've just come off the back of a 5-0 loss to Stockport, which we have, and you it's just a continuation of that, just looking flat, giving away stupid goals. Oh, I mean, what what's the message at that point? What 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 is the message to a team that's shipping goals for a laugh that, for whatever reason, just didn't... I mean, I don't know if you've seen that. They just didn't look up for it. And that, and if that fight's not there, that's that's when it starts to get a bit of a worry. The the fight is there, but it's not over ninety plus minutes at the moment, which is a bit bit infuriating. Yeah, I think I think the well, thing is, I think it'll be in transition. I think it realistically it'd be in transition, wouldn't it? And um, I think what um, it's like when I I can speak, I can speak really good experience about being promoted um, because we've been promoted once every two years or something. So. You know, when you get promoted in that first season, when you start getting your asses smacked and when you're not top of the table, or when you have challenges, that's when you find out a bit about the players. Mm. Now, for all we know, and I'm, I'm sure it might be the case, Parky might already be sat there thinking, right, blimey, this bloke that was really good at one nil up, he's no good at 2-1 down. He might be learning a little bit about the way people think and, and he'll be, no doubt, putting that into his algorithm as he sort of starts to rebuild. Um, and I think you do, you do get players. You, at all levels, you get players that are really shit. I won't name names in my club, but we've got players that are really, really shit when the chips are down, right? 
And it's true, because they reckon in life, people, they either walk towards adversity or walk away. That's the bottom line. And you've got certain players that get better when, when, when the going gets tough and others that, that get worse. And so if there's been a few heavy defeats and um, or if the team goes behind in a game and you think there's a lack of resilience, there, there might be one or two individuals that aren't great at dealing with that. And what a good manager will do, no doubt like Parky, will be weeding that out and having a little look at that. Let's let's um let's go into the match officials because I know it's a, it's a, it's a it's a thing you're keen to discuss at length, right? <laughs> I imagine there's going to be an overarching theme throughout this entire pod. We had a guy yesterday, <laughs> right? And me and Andy have just like poured scorn on it as best as we can. <laughs> um, obviously, for, if you're if you're a fan of Crew and from a Crew persuasion, you see nothing wrong with his with his performance at all, but. He sends our lad off. Nah, it's contentious, but I can kind of see why he's giving it from his angle. However, I digress. Gives them a penalty, even though we've toe-poked the ball away. Turns down us two stonewallers. Um, card happy. Why are referees at the lower levels, or any level, generally shit? Because you can't, you can't name many good ones. You can mean you can name Kalina, and he's long retired. So why are they so bad? I mean, I'm going to get in the car, drive down to... Whereabouts are you? <laughs> Whereabouts are we? Yeah, I'm going to drive down and get in the car. We're going to get a beer, and we're going to go and talk about it until we until we drop. But the thing is, right, here's the thing. Everyone's got to come together on this. Right, so... The world of officiating is massively challenged right now, right? And it's challenging supporters, players, owners, you know, that is what it's challenging. So, And the reason is that it's like, it's become a detachment in the game. It's become an us and them. And what you've got is you've got, and we've seen um, uh, the, the Sheffield United manager speak out about it recently, right from the top down, Um there is a there's a floor a foot long in football, and the, one of the biggest issues is that the PGMOL they run all of um, officiating as it as it stands, and they basically think they own the game, and they don't, and they are spoiling the game, and they're spoiling the game for the people that the game belongs to, which is us, whether you're a supporter, manager, player, whatever it might be. So, what I'm hoping for is that there, there's got to be intervention. Intervention. I'll come on to the operational stuff in a minute, the yellow cards and stuff like that. But there's got to be intervention in what's going on. We saw it in the Premier League yesterday. Yeah, sorry, mate, that should have been a goal. You know, like multi-million pound, you know, I think with the VAR, was it? What game was it? Um, it was Liverpool. Spurs. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sorry. He thought it was a goal. John thought it was a goal. Sorry, mate. Yeah, <laughs> fuck that one. Um, you know, it's it's like, You've never seen anything like it. The best, the start of the season was a classic. You know, we had we played Chesterfield. They they play. They had this weird new thing about adding on time. They played fourteen minutes added time in the second half, a third of the entire half. You know, two weeks later they, they they went back to normal again. Like you know, they changed the laws every five minutes. It could not be more over the place, more more all over the place if it tried and. Uh, you'd be hard pushed to find anybody, even in the FA. I believe this truly, 
if the FA are like us, they are the um, you know they are the custodians of football. You'd be hard pushed to find anybody that would not say this is completely out of control. Um, and um, it's an us and them. It's never the gap's never been wider. They make crazy law changes. They won't leave the game alone. Um, and um, it's not good, mate. And it affects everybody. Yeah. Mark, is that the key thing? Is it, is it the fact that they keep changing the laws? Every year there's another raft of five or six new laws that, that a referee has to sort of deal with. But, you know, it's for everyone, isn't it? You have to teach them the players. You managers need to need to know the, the, the differences and the ins and outs. Is, is that the, is that's what confusing things here? Yeah, 100%, mate. Yeah, I mean, so, so time-wasting, yeah, right? So time-wasting. This is their new one this year, yeah. And obviously, by the way, yellow cards now are a bit like speeding on a fucking driving license. You know, there's 150,000 more cameras, but it's still 12 points. So in a game of football, you're, uh, you, you know, you, you know, everyone wants the game to flow. You want 11 players on the field, but there's so many different ways now for players to be on a yellow card, which changes their game completely after four fucking minutes. But um, the um, I've digressed here. I always do that all the time. What was I saying? Uh, what was the question you said? Sorry. No, it was about how they keep changing the games and it's, it, it, they keep changing the yes. laws. And that's confusing things because every yeah. season we get four or five new things we need to sort out. They all go really heavy on, on the start. They more or less forget about it after six or seven. And, but then one guy will bring it up again and say that's the law. And you sort of go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that's that law. So, so, so basically, there's an obsession with changing the laws, right? And... It's like it's it's been going on for quite a few years. So they've changed the offside, the handball law, you know, two to three times in six, seven years. Um, whether the last man to send an off, if he's in the box, out the box. I mean, no one knows. I mean, you've got people like all of us been in football our whole lives, and none of us even know now. You know, you have to ask the bloke next to you or Google it or wait for someone to tell you on Sky or something. You know, um, they're, they're 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 obsessed with changing laws. Time wasting is brilliant. You know, like. Oh, we're going to clamp down on time-wasting now. Oh, OK. Well, when we was in Park League fucking Division 4, if, my, if, if we was 1-0 up for 15 minutes to go or after, you know, half an hour, 1-0 up, and my, my bloke took taking the throw to cages, the ref said, listen, don't take the piss, right? If it happened again, he said, listen, don't take the fucking piss, speed the game up. And, uh, and then he'd probably say to the captain, just so you know, Next blow that takes the piss, he's getting booked. I don't care who the fuck it is. And then everybody got on with the game. So what, what all the good referees used to do, and by the way, I, I speak to, I've been, I've been in the game 23 years, right? So uh, managing, I speak to all the older referees and they are turning in their metaphoric graves with this new wave of law changes and officiating. You know, they've already got the capability to deal with all the things in the game. In the most cases, they're just... Rather than keep recreating things, they don't need. And so then you've got so, so a you've got this kind of, you know, recreation of things you don't need to put in place. It was already there to deal with it properly. And then b you've got this like creating laws of the game for the Premier League. There's this fucking Hollywood movie right in mm. the Premier League that, and then expecting it to be applied all the way down to park football and to all levels. And, and then the laws aren't transferable, so that makes sense. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you'd have to say that if anyone in the PGMOL, and I think the answer would be yes, they do, 
thought they were doing a good job, then you'd have to seriously question their mental well-being because it is not it's not great. That's the bottom line. And and I, I speak outwardly because I'm a football fan and um, I know the impact it's having on the game. Yeah. Um, right. Take us back to Park League Level 4. Um, because, I mean, I've heard you talk, talk about how it all started a few times, but I just love hearing it. It's just like it's a proper it's a proper football story. Never mind your Saudi yeah. Arabia takeovers or anything like this. This is you know this is the proper story. This this should be a film. You know it, it it's it's that sort of good. Now, I sort of seem to remember that you when you and your mates sort of formed this club, you were big fans of uh, Wimbledon. Um, yeah, is that is that? So did you sort of want to? Want to sort of harness that sort of crazy gang spirit when you when you were starting this? Yeah, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, we we just we we were just had enough. Uh, Wimbledon was going belly up and that, so we we sort of had enough spending money traveling the country now. Just started a, a pub side, bunch of mates, all the rest of it. But I definitely think the fact I was a Wimbledon fan uh, and saw that sort of rise uh, where winning truly meant everything. You know, like it was uh, the the spirit behind the team was. You know, to win at all costs. Um, we obviously saw the famous FA Cup final where there were huge second favourites, and that was how they were every single week against everybody. So, I think there's definitely uh, an element of that culture that's been within me. But I think that most of all, because I started the club from scratch, mm. I mean, literally, because I struggled to buy the first kit, or you know, for three hundred quid, or to you know, to you know, to, to to rent the pitches, collect the subs, put the nets up. You know, and, and then as we went through the leagues, dig trenches, fight councils for planning permissions and all these things and try to raise money. Um, my tolerance for a modern day footballer that, that that's a fucking fancy Dan is pretty low. Mm. So I'm like, listen, if I've done all of this, you're going to fucking, <laughs> you're going to die in a ditch for me. I think that's the, if I could summarise it, that's the best way of summarising it. Yeah. Um, on that, tell us about your wanker radar, the sort of moment that you know a player would, wouldn't really work for you. You must have had players that you brought in and you thought, oh, yeah, he'll be, he'll, he'll be great. But when he's come in, you've sort of seen him closer quarters and, and maybe he's, he's not the one, one for you. I mean, what, what, how positive, you know, what's the importance of that if, if you see someone like that and move them out and, you know, the nurturing positive culture at the club and not having people like that around? Well, no, I mean, that's an absolute must. I mean, you know, most all good managers, no doubt, are the same. I mean, you take will over skill in football all day. You know, we've seen it over the years, examples like Balotelli and players like that who were fucking incredible footballers, but were, they actually got their managers to sack because yeah. as people, they were just bad for the environment. I mean, nothing personal to Balotelli. Um, but, um, but listen, no... You, my wanker radar is pretty spot on, but because I've got a, a, that the right culture, then they don't last two minutes anyway. Because the rest of the lads are brilliant, but you know, you know straight away when I'm going to sign people. If they play for sixteen clubs, I'm not going to sign them. You're looking for loyalty. You you ask around. You see what's what. You know, um, if they turn up uh, early, you know, if you're talking quick fire things to see. Uh, of wankers, you know, uh, then, you know, people people on social media saying they scored in defeats. That's a classic, isn't it? 
That's a fucking classic, you know. Lost 8-1, but I notched on to the next one, you know. Um, you know. We've had a few of them. <laughs> yeah, you know, or big on undergarments, you know, big on undergarments, fucking. If they run out and they've got a fucking snood on, fucking leggings, a right. pair of motorbike gloves, you know, straight away you're saying, listen, mate, go back in there, take off <laughs> all of that fucking shit and come back out, you know. But there's some, there's some sure tell signs. Yeah. Um, what are your sort of non-negotiables as a boss? Undergarments. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> massive. Massive. To the point where I fucking hate them that much that I have a guy at the opposition teams if, they've wear, if they're wearing them. Um, it pisses me off. Yeah, undergarments, really. Um, social media. I just think uh, I've got a player. I've got a player. He only ever posts on social media when we win the league. That's how it should be, you know, because um, you've got a job to do. It's never over till it's over in football and you need to be focused. Um, so, yeah, they're the big no-no social media undergarment. That probably makes me seem fucking shallow. And there's loads <laughs> of people out there. Um, so that, that player tweets once every two seasons, basically. Just just like, yeah, yeah we won the league. See you in another couple of years. It's Honestly, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I won't point him out, but... We've got a player, literally, that's all he does. He'll tweet out, you know, a lost dog in his local area every now and then. And then, yeah, and every couple of seasons, it'd be like, you know, yeah, another promotion, thank you. But, yeah, I, I just think that, um, yeah, not not for me, mate. Not for me, that lot. Well, you, I think you on social media, it could go one or two ways, couldn't it? Um, you're either going to get slapped down and banned off there straight away either from Elon Musk himself or from the FA. Um, so, yeah, it's probably a wise choice, isn't it? Do you know what, the matter? I think the FA, like, I, I think the FA would be wise. And I think they are getting a little bit better. They only find me. I got sent off the other week for kicking the ball away, which I didn't know was a sending off. And because um, my keeper on my right back had put it out of play about five times in the first 20 minutes. And then literally, like an act of God, he put it out of play again. And it literally went straight to my right foot. So I just petulantly kicked it away and got a straight red and they sensibly only gave me a £300 fine and my point is they'd be wise the FA to work closer with football um, and um, and let people be more outspoken and to address the issues in the game you know if I was the FA right now I'd be saying for fuck's sake I'll do a, a statement that says we are having serious meetings with the PGMOL about the continued problems in the game with officiating. And, and I think they'd be wise to work closer and take on and allow freedom of speech as well. And, and I, I am seeing signs they are, and that sounds stupid, but I'm seeing signs they are going to, you know, be a bit more, allow more freedom of speech because there has been, I mean, I don't want to speak ill of the dead if you like of the FA, but it has been extremely kind of like, um, a dictatorship, autocratic, you know, people can't speak. You see Klopp the other day saying, well, I can't speak. I can't speak. I'll get fined. Well, why can't he fucking speak? Why not? He, as long as he doesn't say, you know, Bob from Wigan, the referee who lives at number 15, Castle Dean Gardens, fucked up, right? Why can't he say, I thought the referee today, why can't that referee or the law, the Lord, anything, why can't that be in the right way discussed. So I think I'd like to see them 
try and bring that closer to the game. It'd be to their benefit to do that so people aren't as frustrated. You see you how think, I can always get it back round to officials? Do you think yeah, do you think we'll ever ever get to a point where I mean kind of alluding to all that, we you need a bit more transparency and, and the application of common sense by the powers that be. Do you think yes. there'll ever be a point ever where the referees will go, well, you know what, I will come out and I'll, I'll explain that decision because they don't and they never have done and you kind of almost think that it's never going to happen. But do you I've think... I've got to it... tell you, I've got a brilliant, brilliant question It's triggered this thought. Like, if you speak to Parkey or any manager, the level of support they give each other is unbelievable. It is on a... It is, it is, it, and that is what I mean. There's a massive detachment. If, if literally, if the referee murdered someone... The, the fourth official would say, well, I didn't fucking see it. Or he'd say, <laughs> well, yeah, but I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll tell you why he's probably done that. He's probably done it because of this. There's no common sense. There's no, you know, um, sort of like, what do you want to call it? Personality might be the wrong thing, but there's no humbleness. It is just an us and them. And I always mm. say to the to these guys, like, if if because the, the older officials would say, Listen, if, I, if I've made a mistake there, I fucked it. I get that. And by the way, I think that's the intention behind these statements of the PGMOL, you know, is to say, well, we want to put our hand up. Well, there's a big reason for that. They fucking have to, right? <laughs> because everyone can see it, right? But it, on a normal match day for Rex and for Dawkin, it's an us and them. Now, what I will say is a bit like traffic wardens and anyone from this walk of life, right? Okay, yeah. There is always good ones. Yeah, and we've had a few good ones recently, and they are always the ones that have more personality. They're more inclined to say, "Do you know what, mate? I might have fucked that. I'll have a look at it back, and if I fucked it, I'll say sorry." And and the ones that do that, the, the managers respect them. They all get on with it. But the one, the other thing that the final thing on that is that one of the biggest challenges is the bloke that you've had yesterday, whoever it might be, and whatever he's done. Well, these people are taking their guidance macro from the PGMOL and, and trying to apply it and you know in some cases doing a bad job so whilst we're assuming that the officials have morphed into this us and them you know no personality in the game red tape driven at the same time that is their mandate so it's a bit like where's it start and end no true true we will come back to the officials, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's let's kind of discuss um, the first ever meeting between Wrexham and Dawkins because I'm sure you remember it. We remember it. Obviously, we, we were fortunate enough to to win it 5-0. Um, however, right, in your next home game, you go out. I think you, I think you then go away to Barnet and win. And then you beat Notts County at home in the next home game. 3-1, right? And that, for me, that was the, that was the first time I, I sat up and took notice. Not because I'm being an ignoramus, but you know when you, you've got your little bubble, your own club? Yeah. Uh, unless you're looking at every other, other sort of... Yeah. Bubble. And the reason I noticed that day is Wrexham played South End away. We were lucky to get a draw. Come back on the services on the way back. Loads of Notts County fans. So, obviously, there was a little bit of needle, a bit of winding up because we knew what the score was. <laughs> They were all despondent. They were all fucking flat-faced. And, but we, t we talked to a group and they, they were just like, 
can't fucking believe we lost this team. And then, but a couple of his mates, <laughs> a couple of his mates then chimed in. So, oh, well, do you know the back backstory where they've come from? And they're in this league on merit. Thought, oh, that's quite nice. That's a that, that's a bit of respect, and, and not yeah. just oh, we've gone down there expecting to turn them over. So at that point, I was like, we need to take a bit of notice from this because them lads have probably done us an early season favour. As it transpires, probably had a a solid, um, done us a solid in the title race there, I think. So just looking back at that, I mean, was you're always learning, aren't you? If, you? if you take a bit of a wallop in like you did with us and then you go out next game and beat, beat Notts County, I mean, what's your... If you just bookend that as an experience, what's your memories of that? Is that you get Wrexham rolling into town, winning, fucking pisses you off five nil, and then you go and win the next two against another big hitter. Yeah, well, that that five nil game, right? We had fucking phenomenal amount of possession, but just couldn't defend for shit. And also, <laughs> what you wouldn't remember this, but at the time we only had one big centre half, a man called Ed Harris, who's a tremendous man, who's literally just semi-retired because he's got a, he couldn't do do mornings with us and he's actually mates with Ollie Palmer. All right. Right? Because Ollie's from round here and Ollie and Ed were at Wimbledon together, right? And um and Ed had a brilliant start uh on Ollie and we was doing really, really well and then he smashed his nose up and we had to take him off. And um and it changed the game for us. We had no one to deal with Ollie. Ollie pulled off of our left back shoulder about five minutes later and the game went against us. But what, no, I just, um, you take the positives out of these games. For me at the time, being owner chairman, I was as concerned with trying to cope with such big fan bases coming to Dawking uh, than I was on the field. And I always knew we were trying to consolidate last year. I wasn't bothered about, you know, trying to remotely compete. What would be the point? We couldn't get promoted. You know the ground's tiny, blah blah blah. Financially, um, yeah, but um, but obviously we've got this incessant thing about winning, and yeah, I just I just you know we just sort of um, to take the positives out of it. I've always been good like that, you know. I'm pretty good backed into a corner. I'd say that's my strength really. Um, we got I got sent off at York last year, um, and uh, and it weren't a good one. It weren't. I knew it was going to be a big ban. And um, what was that for? Really, Remember. Yeah, well... Was that when you I, came out the car park? Yeah, I saw the ref in the car park afterwards. <laughs> I was pissed off, mate. But I'd been out the night before, fucking half hungover. You know, it weren't ideal. It weren't a fucking red card, it was a yellow. It pissed me off and I saw him out of the corner of my eye. But I knew it was going to be a big old ban. And we was fourth bottom. And, um, and for the first time in club history, because we've never been relegated, ever. I thought, fuck, we're, we're screwed here. We're, our form was gone and I'm not going to be in the dugout. So um, I thought, right, well, I'm going to need to appeal. I need to appeal because I genuinely thought I should appeal these FA cases. And I thought to myself, um, I know at some point I'm going to be banned for the rest of the season and I'm going to have to try and get some fucking form running. And I managed to get us to third in the form table. Right <laughs> in a twelve-game period, and save the season. And my point is a bit like when Rex and when you dicked us. Like I just, you know, you 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 have to just um, all the experience in the world, all the little tricks of the trade, knowing how not to get beat or how to win, knowing how to psychologically handle the players 
in between big defeats? How do you have that men in black moment where you stop them thinking about the last game, you start them thinking about this one, create little scenarios. We've got three games, we're aiming for four points, five points, creating things that are wins that are maybe process-driven, not results-driven. There's so many, so many tricks to it. But so, yeah, but it was good because you're right, actually, and I forgot that. It's a really valid point. Barnett were doing well at the time as well. Uh, got a feeling that was one of their first defeats. And obviously not County, to be fair, we uh, we just had a good day. Things went for us, not against us. But, you know, they, we always uh, all of our fans will tell you never write off the Wanderers. That's the old motto. That's where it is. Hartlepool learned that yesterday when <laughs> they gave it the big end. Um, when they gave it the big end behind me, the whole fucking game. They learned <laughs> not to write us off. You get some stick again yesterday. Oh, mate, brilliant. You know, we've got a rich bunch of amateurs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, he's got some fucking gold dust from yesterday. Gold dust, mate. <laughs> I'm talking grown men. Grown men rush into the news agents to get Kleenex, honestly. Um, but I was, I mean, it was 1964 levels of abuse. I won't even tell you the things they were saying. I can't really? tell you. It was fucking horrific. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you now, I'm talking every two, three minutes shouts to players of nonce and I mean it's unbelievable I've never heard anything like it I'm, I'm going to report it but like only only but but in a positive way for the club because the club needed yeah. to know that but the, the point is this like you know we're um people see us as being a, an easy target a smaller club and and things like that and yeah we've even it, it helps having that reputation if that makes sense within the club when I look at players, and I remember at Barnet in the changing room, when I said to them, you know, this, I literally said to them, this has got clean sheet, away win, 1-0, Dawkins Wanderers all over it. This is what we've done for 23 fucking years. No one ever writes us off. People undress, you know, people believe that. You know, when you talk about it, people believe it. Does that make sense? And, and that you can create that culture off the back of the reputation. So it starts becoming a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, you know? Mark, but... just so, so going back to what you're saying about Hartlepool, uh, Hartlepool and, you know, some of those, some of those chants. Um, you've, you've usually got a good relationship with, with opposing fans, haven't you? I can remember you put a, put a bit of cash behind the bar for us, which we really appreciated uh, back down in, in Dorking. Um, what? Can you so? Can you remember if, um, if Wrexham did the same for you guys? I think did. did... Yeah, Wrexham gave out goodie bags. You, you guys were fantastic. We put money behind the bar for teams that you know that that bring a strong away following because we really appreciate the extra money. And, and the Hartlepool one, by the way, was just some individuals. There was loads of amazing, great football people there as well. I was just shocked at the level uh, that some individuals went to there. But but listen, it happens in the game, I guess. But um, but yeah, no, we, I've got a brilliant relationship with football fans because obviously I think people resonate with the fact that I'm just a fan as well. I'm mm. as likely to be at a, a game at step seven or, you know, down at Wrexham watching a game than I am to be managing or doing whatever. So, no, it's, um, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just a football man. That is also why I'm so outspoken with with all the other party politics as well. Yeah. Um, can we talk about the documentary a bit? How did your involvement um, happen there? Well, um, I just got approached yeah by um, Rich Fipp and bunch of amateurs. Yeah, he just he just um, said someone said you'd be good value for money um, recording mm -hmm. you lot. So 
and can I come down? And then it literally was one of those. He'd done a few games and the rest is history. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I'm not, I'm on no social media at all. I'm not a social media person. Obviously, it's helped, uh, you know, build our profile um, across, well, literally the world now, really, to a degree. Um, but best of all, just enabled us to carry the flame for that sort of working man mentality. And that is the popularity of it, really. It's the working yeah. man resonates with it. We have people travel from all over the country internationally, but especially over the UK, and just say, I've not been to football for 20 years, but I'm coming to watch you lot. And I stopped going to football because there weren't really people like you lot about anymore. Um, yeah. So it just resonates, doesn't it, with the average fan, um, an and ex-footballer or player, park level, whatever level. Yeah, it might kick on again, because obviously you've done the Welcome to Wrexham documentary as well. Um, I, I mean, I take it you've seen it. Were, were you pleased with it? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's a, it's a, it's a massive, huge production, isn't it? And um, yeah. I think what I, what I really loved about Wrexham, I mean, we built two affiliations in our first season, uh, Oldham and Oldham and Wrexham, got a brilliant link with Oldham, and but both had the similar situation where what what I sort of loved about Wrexham was being able to watch a positive version of an ownership situation. Whereas, you know, the rest of us are watching South End now, who are in yeah. a world of bother. Scunthorpe, right this minute, we've seen Berry Macclesfield. Previously, we've seen Stockport, Chesterfield, some huge clubs. And it's um, what I loved about Wrexham was the how galvanised the whole community could be, like Oldham, by such a good news story. And I'm one of those people that I'm not one of these fucking wanker keyboard warriors that only comes out to play when people are doing poorly. I love people being successful. That's just me. And, and I just love what it had done for the community. I know, I know how much football brings people. Um, I know how much it brings families and, you know, decades of, you know, um, families and granddads and grandchildren and, you know, like all these people that, that go to, the, the, the football club is the local hub. And when I saw what happened at Wrexham, that was what, you know, really switched me on. It was it was really just what it meant to the town, really. Do you know what I mean? And I just yeah. felt at the time even, and I just felt at the time, I just thought, I, th I remember I was speaking to somebody, I can't think, someone in your club. And I said, yeah, but I know there's pressure on promotion, but fuck me, look where you are now compared to where you were. Like, yeah. let's just understand this. Do you know? And I think that's where you want to be mm -hmm. now as well. Look where you are compared to where you could be. Look at the club. Look at what them boys are doing for it. It's, it's just fantastic. Yeah. I mean, they've always been quite complimentary about Dorking, Ryan and Rob. Have you ever managed to speak to them at all? No, I've never. I've never spoke. I spoke to Humphrey. He's a really good man. Mm. Um, really good man. But they're busy boys. I'm busy. Um, I mean, I can only imagine how busy they are with the amount of different business interests they've got. And then being a fellow football club owner. Um, you know, the, the, the club's in such good hands, you can tell. And the plans afoot are incredible. Incredible. So it's just about managing the expectation along the way, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? If you're the, if you're the average fan and like we all are, you know? You see, um, 
do you see Parky staying there for the foreseeable as well? Because it's like you, you you know what it's like. You, you you get people who go, oh well, you know, he hasn't won a game for three matches. Get rid of him. You know, it's always <laughs> slow, the slow burner. Or people will give people will love any excuse, like to if they're an if they're an anti if they're an anti manager brigade or something they don't like for whatever reason, despite the success. And it does my head in when people say, oh yeah, but because all, all the fucking money he's had, he should have got promoted anyway. It doesn't work like that. As you very well no. know, you've got to get that everybody singing from the same song sheet. So, I, I think he's got a fair bit of leeway. Um, you know, I I, I just think he, he he deserved that time. I think a bit of consistency. Do you know what, mate? It's really easy. It's, yeah, mate. It's a really easy one. I, I I mean, I can this. I can definitely speak well versed on this. You know, I think basically, you know, playoffs is playoffs would be the sort of target year one and then year two you'd be targeting to get promoted I mean that's the bottom line and if if you fell short of playoffs um, and during that season you have that little rebuild that you need for the new league that's what it's about anyone that expects anything more than that is mad but don't forget there are people out there that just use things like that as a vehicle you know for their own (laughs) their own wrongdoings in life or you know whatever it might be and i don't mean that disrespectfully because i think if people pay their money they're entitled to an opinion but you have to have a level of sense with these things it's there was a it takes you have to rebuild a team um i can understand why not county um are, are doing okay uh, in terms of the different styles to play i can understand as a football manager how there's an adaptability that's less with the way they play than Wrexham. Um, with the style Parky plays, I think Parky's bit probably. And if he watches this, he probably might think, "Fuck off, Mark. What do you know? He's he's done way more than me in football." But um, you know, there's there's an element of team building that that Parky I think will do. But he's the right man, hundred um, percent. There's another promotion or two there, in my opinion, with Parky. Yeah, yeah, no, that'd be uh, that'd be decent. That that'd be decent. We'll see where where it takes us. But you're, I think, when I when I listened to the previous couple of previous pods you've done, you're an advocate, quite rightly, of sort of club sustainability and how to achieve that. Because as you pointed out before, we're just custodians of the club, aren't we? Whether it's owner, whether it's manager, yeah. whether it's fan, whether it's founder, whatever, you know, it's always going to be there. Before you before you've arrived into the world and there long after you've left it, yeah, I think inevitably, um, inevitably you you know uh, it, it takes you've you've got to build a club to have revenue streams. So whether that's on the ground, commercially, um, whether that's sponsorship, whether that's physical, you know, facilities. Um, and obviously what you guys are doing there with the, the plans for the new stand and all of these things are trying to bring, you know, much bigger, more sustainable, consistent income streams to the club. Um, obviously, in your case, you've got, and similar to us, you've got the fact that you've got a, a profile to build on as well that can raise your attractiveness commercially. But ultimately... Ultimately, um, you know, the money comes and goes. To be uber successful, 
you've probably got to have someone in football that's prepared to spend a bit more than the bloke who's second in the league table. That's just how it tends to be. Um, and I think the main thing is that if the money men in football anywhere, if they come and go, at least make sure that the club has got a good footing. So build, uh, build a community around the club, uh, physical infrastructure that can help income streams. I think that's what's key. Um, and as much as possible, uh, give the fans a say. Um, so we, we've become part fan owned. We're, we're still mm. taking direct subscriptions now um, from all over the place. Uh, we, we, we made a decision to give away a third of our club uh, to the fans. And because it's those fans that if ever you do fall on difficult times and like you guys did, back in the day, it's those fans that can actually be there to bring the future good times. Um, and so for me, I think it's it's critical. And I think the one thing I would say is that, like, we're part of Fair Game, which is like a movement for this type of thing. And there's several clubs in there, but a football club is, her is local heritage. That's what it is. It's It can never, ever be somebody's toy it can't be somebody's plaything the badge the stadium the legacy it has to be protected um so so i'd like to see the fa and they are by the way looking at adopting um elements of that um cer certain things like not allowing badge changes color changes there's, there's some real things going on mate but most of all, if the fans are always involved in the club, then, you know, there's always a way of it being sorted. Yeah. So it's all about, yeah, that's what you're saying. So just protecting certain characteristics of a club, long-standing characteristics, because we saw it at Cardiff, didn't we, when he came in and went, well, we're going to play in red. And that yeah. went down to red balloon. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, we've been quite fortunate in that the whole mandate with, with the takeover was like, you know, we're not going to, move away from the ground, we're not going to change it. So, so we've been quite fortunate with that pledge yeah. at, this, at this point. Um, I'm going to do a bit of a, a quick fire, but it doesn't have to be that quick on the answers. You take as yeah. much time as you like, because I know they're going to be good. So, best and worst piece of advice you've ever been given as a manager or a player? Um, well, manager, best advice I've been given... Um... Yeah. Well, do you know what? I was about to say what it is. And then I, then I actually thought, I can't fucking think of Tom. I think that's my advice <laughs> that I give people. Um, I was, best uh, advice best you've advice. given yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The no, best advice I've been given as a manager was just really about recruitment. Is, is every, the, the higher up you go, it's all about recruitment. I mean, it sounds like a fucking basic one. But um, that's something I listen to. Um, when you're coming through the leagues, you can sign players for a fiver. So if you make, make an odd mistake, it don't matter. The higher up you go, if you make recruitment errors, they're costly. So I, I've took that on board. Yeah. Worst, worst piece of advice? That's something you give yourself as well? Or... The advice I give myself is... is 
is be fucking single-minded yeah. and make sure that you fall down on what you think, not anybody else. I think that's what all good leaders do. Listen to people, take it all on board, but make sure you're the last man standing with what you think and not what others think. Um, worst piece of advice, honestly, you get loads of shit advice. You get loads of shit. I couldn't really differentiate between some people talk to you and, um, and especially if you're doing poorly, like last season when we was doing poor, and we've not even signed a player, I've not even bothered, I won't even bothered about it, and people start giving me advice, and you do think to yourself, fuck off, mate, Mark White will return, don't worry about that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So there's loads of people out there with bad advice. Which manager would you least like to fight? I, I, I thought you might say John Still, because I know you've had a ding-dong with him in the past, but which manager would you least like to fight where you thought, ah, he's probably got too much in the locker for me? Yeah, but I'm, um, see, yeah, so I'm not, there's no one really jumps off the page with that. Um, it doesn't have to be at this level. It can be at any level. Yeah, no, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think what it is because, yeah, I'm trying to think really. To be fair, mate, I've got to say, I don't really have running for managers at all. Not really. I've had one or two. Um, over the years, but nothing major. And with those one or two, it's been more so where I've had to piss around my territory because they're, I, had a, I had a row with Peter Taylor, the ex-England manager. So me and Peter both got a red card. Um, and, uh, and then me and Stilly, who's a fucking icon of a non-league manager that, that made it with Luton. Yeah, we had a tear up and stuff like that. But <laughs> listen... Um, I'm not really worried about... I'm not really scared of anyone, if that makes sense. I'm not going to no, lie. No, no. Now, we know... I know you you you, you did it on the uh, under the cosh. You, you recently had your bar it done, and it's sprouting nicely. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Go. Well, no, um, yeah, you can't really see it, but yeah, it's... It's, that, it's like the brush stage. It's like the brush stage, I'd say. Um, yeah, to be but, honest, mate, it's... At the moment, it needs to fucking hurry up, if I'm honest. Um... <laughs> It's right. It's uh, I'm expecting next two, three weeks serious activity because there's there's not enough coming through. So, but I'm so sure it's going to. That's my next question. Uh, who was your best hairstyle inspiration? Don King, Marge Simpson, or Carlos Valderrama? Valderrama. Yeah. You know, if we got a boy who plays for us called Aaron Kuehl, who's got very similar hair. Um, if anyone wants to Google him now, you look at his hair and think, "Fucking hell, where'd that come from?" <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, he, he, I'd, I'd like hair like that. And he puts it's it's so weird his hair, purely that he puts um, what's it called that stuff that smells beautiful in it, body uh, something cream. He puts that that real nice cream in it, and he smells fucking beautiful. Every time he goes past, we all sort of smell his head. <laughs> so Valderrama. But I'm guessing your play's not from Colombia. He's just got the hair. He's got the hair. He's a tash. Uh, that'll go with it. Yeah. Um, no. He, he, yeah. Exactly that. He, we, we're not quite sure where he's from, but he has. Yeah. He has got the hair. Aaron Kules Barnett hair. Google it, and then they can see what it's like. There you go. Oh, I'm just looking at it now. Yeah, you're right. It, that's proper. That's proper Valderrama. That he's from Somerset. Yeah, I mean yeah. Somerset, seemingly in the Caribbean. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah. There we are. Um so yeah, if the cap fits, who wears it better? Fred Durst from Lint Biscuit, Brian Harvey from E seventeen or Mark White? Well, Mark White, I mean I'm just I'm just yeah, I'm just uh I'm just wearing it. I'm just sort of rocking the hat, if you like, for the football uh, fraternity. Do you know what I mean? I think, I'm not quite sure where the hats come from, but I know one thing for definite. They became more of a uh, a lucky uh, lucky omen, if you like, than a, than anything else. Do you know what I mean? Than a style thing. I think it was just one of those. It was all in, always in the pubs and nightclubs. And um, so on a match day, you just throw a hat on, bearing in mind seven months of the football seasons in shit weather. So you throw a hat on so you didn't have the old wax and that running in your eyes. But now they now I wouldn't go anywhere without it. I think people think Yeah. The hat but no snood has to be said. Absolutely. No, I mean it's not it's not a this is not okay. This is not okay. We got players sometimes. If it's if it's sort of like minus we, we used to train evenings and uh if it's minus two or minus three some of the players might cheekily try and get away with a snoob. We got one, Bobby Joe Taylor. But it's down to him. He looked like a fucking Eskimo, right? And um, they try, I, I might let him off a little bit if it was sub zero degrees. Uh, who are the thirstiest fans to visit Dorking? Because I obviously you said before you put the money behind the bar when it went into sold out allocation. Did you ever get any feedback from the pubs? And fucking hell, they drank it dry in about 10 minutes. Well, no, I mean, Wrexham done well. Wrexham done very well, uh, keeping up Welsh tradition um, and was really well behaved as well, which was great. I didn't realise the police travel with the away fans. I never knew that. And I was driving to the ground and I saw the, is it Hedler, isn't it? Hedler, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm. walking down Dorking High Street. Now, let me tell you, right, in Dorking High Street, yeah, the biggest news you get in Dorking, apart from Dorking Wanderers, is like, you know, the cat gets stuck up a fucking tree, Right. <laughs> So I can imagine all the contingent of Dawkins seeing the Welsh police thinking, oh, my God, ringing up everyone going, listen, lock the doors, right? Lock the doors, put the shutters down, you know, the Welsh are in town, you know. <laughs> but, um, no, we, um, no, the, the, you boys done well. You boys done well. But um, it's great. It, it, we, we, we've got the ground sort of near the high street, so it's nice in that respect. Yeah. Who plays you in a movie of your life? Well, this is easy. I fucking do. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. <laughs> Who, who's, your, who's, your stunt, who's your stunt double then? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure, really. I'm not big on movies, to be honest. Um, um, I didn't. Uh, didn't, I'm not big. I've, I've just worked so fucking hard. I'm, I'm I'm not big on movies at all, so I couldn't tell you. I'm gonna I'm gonna shout. I'm gonna stick Vin Diesel in there, Andy. He'd make a good stunt double. I reckon. Yeah, go for that, mate. Go for that. Yeah. That's complimentary. I'll tell you what. Actually, when I was young, actually, my um for for the banter, which again is another good one to Google, but everyone used to say I used to look like Karate Kid. <laughs> Daniel Larusso. A younger, a younger, yeah. If you look at a younger version of me versus versus that and him, it's uh, similar similarities, maybe. We've got to, we've got to get you a headband, like a little Karate Kid headband. You can you can wear that under your cap then. That proper ghetto. That'll be 
Yeah, yeah, and there was a guy, right? This is fucking random, right? I went to New York on a work trip once, yeah, years ago. And and I, I swear to God, I've not even got to where we were staying on Times Square. I must have had about 25 people stop me, including a, a taxi driver who kept, he, he kept looking in the mirror like this. And he was like, you are, it's Matt, yeah, Matt. Anyway, I don't, I'm not big on movies, but there was a guy apparently called Matt Broderick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, if, and, and so I've obviously come to, because I was out there three days and everybody just kept saying it to me. Uh, he'd done a movie called Ferris Bueller. Yeah. Yeah. So if you look at that, that's a younger version of me as well. So there you go. I got did you go, did you get, around. Did you go along with it at any point? You thought, fucking, I might, well just, I might as well try and get something from this. Get a couple of free drinks. My no, well, no, my I, my American accent's not amazing. I've, <laughs> I've just got a fake Cockney accent. Mockney. Yeah. Didn't get away with it. Uh, any yeah. pre-match, any pre-match superstitions or rituals that you adhere to? Well, yeah, obviously, yeah, hundred percent, yeah. I mean, not so much. I wouldn't say they're regular, right? In terms, in terms of like, you know, um, what I do in what order. But clothing-wise, a big deal. It's a big deal. I mean, I can't even tell you. I've got a coat that, honestly is the difference between winning and losing, honestly. Like, it really is. Like, last year, when shit hit the fan and we, we looked like we was in trouble, I had to bring the coat out. It's, it's, it's fucking old now. It's it's like, it looks like a German foot soldier in it. Uh, <laughs> it the pockets are fucked. And, and, and I was sweating my bollocks in it, right? But I knew we've won, we've won about four, three, four divisions in this jacket. I've never known a luckier jacket. I swear to God. It's unbelievable. And every manager would have things like this. So at the moment, I've got, a, at the moment, we're doing all right. We've had a, a tiny good spell. I've worn the same little jacket, the same T-shirt, the same jeans. Nothing changes. So I'll try and find a predominantly lucky outfit, right, and then roll with it, right? And then just quickly on that one. So because this coat is so fucking shocking, this coat, you do, if you Google it, you'll see this coat. German foot soldier coat, right? Because it's so shocking, I went I went and bought another one. Now, I'm not going to quote the figures yet, but I thought I'd try and be some fucking guardiola, right? Get a Prada jacket. Three-quarter length, yeah. It's the fucking business, yeah. Bought this black jacket. I still got it now, yeah. I kid you not, it couldn't win a game. Couldn't win a game. I thought, no, I thought, right, it's, I thought it's getting used to it. I thought it's getting used to it, right? You've got to fucking blend it in, take your time with it, right? Ease it in. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven games. Couldn't win fuck all. Then I thought, right, I'll wear it for shit cup games where you know you're going to win, right? And even those games, it struggled to win 1-0. It just couldn't get a fucking win. So in the end, I had to sack it off. Honestly, I, fucking, I sacked it off. And as I bought out the other jacket, yeah, the old foot shoulder one, I could almost hear the jacket saying, that a fucking teacher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you open the cupboard and talk to your jacket. Yeah. It's time. Come here, girl. Yeah, well, yeah, that's teacher. Fucking get uh -huh. rid of me that easily. Yeah, <laughs> it's true, though. Clothing's a big deal. Oh, I, have to, I need to check out the, the Luftwaffe jacket and find out where it is. Um, 
what's best, a coaching badge or a Blue Peter badge? Well, Blue Peter badge, hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> Blue Peter badge, hundred percent. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not on there. <laughs> I'm not on there. I, I, obviously, I appreciate why these things are in place. I think my big beef with it is the um, the fact that you couldn't do a, you know, you couldn't be a manager apparently without a, a coaching qualification. Um, so, yeah, so uh, you know, I'm not sure there's a a leadership session on what happens when the when the players, you know, got a, a poorly dad. Or he's had a shit game on the Saturday, or he's you know had a night out the week before, or he's fallen out of another player, or you know I'm not sure there's a I'm not sure these things, all the things that make a massive difference in the game, are on them courses. But um, no, I'm not a massive fan of them. Mate, Blue Peter badge probably comes in a bit more useful, but obviously respect all of those people that do do the badges and and stuff like that. But I tell you what, mate, they they also them badges discriminate, mate. You can't do them. Like, I mean, I know boys that have been waiting for years, but they can't get on there because there's like a hierarchy of who they accept on there. So if you are an ex-pro, you're, you're, you're far more likely to be accepted to do your badges than, than someone that's been in the park divisions and wants to do them, which I find disappointing and quite prohibitive. Not a level playing field, it would seem. So, yeah. It's definitely not, mate. Definitely not. Um. Your club badge has got a massive cockerel on it, right? Yeah. So why a dorking nickname the Whites and not the Cocks? Well, this is it. I mean, well, this is it. So the the cockerel is the the dorking is a a breed of cockerel that's okay. now in the US, um, not in England anymore. That's where the emblem comes from, um, and yeah. We've kind of just ended up with the Wanderers as the nickname, really. As boring as that might fucking sound. There you go. Simple as that. Simple yeah. as that. Um, who have you got next few games? Obviously, you're on a roll. On a roll. Everyone's injured, as always. Um, we've got that shit artificial pitch, the theatre of rubber. So um, <laughs> we get we get a lot of uh, injuries. So we've got Kidderminster Tuesday night home. Barnet on, on TV, actually, BT. So when you boys get a win next Saturday, you can tune in and watch the Wanderers in the local boozers. Nice. Uh, so late kickoff, yeah, the half-five one, yeah. So we got Barnet. And then, um, yeah, mate, then the, yeah, we come in the FA Cup the week after and we're famous for being fucking abysmal in cups. It's not my thing. I need to work that and one out. Time to get that jacket out, I think. It, do you know what? What a great point! I think, yeah, that's a really good point. That that there's a strong chance that I come out for that game. Yeah, Prada is nada, so go with the old school. Uh... I, I can't wear that black one anymore. It's done, literally done. If anyone wants a really nice Prada jacket, that's it won't be that it won't be that dear. But I'll say one thing: it's fucking unlucky, right? <laughs> Let me know. Are you yeah, saying it's the okay. Uh, yeah, no, Luke Williams. Let's give it to Luke Williams. Yeah, give it to Luke yeah, Williams. Yeah, I'll send it, Luke. <laughs> I'll send it, Luke, yeah. yeah. Suit him, yeah. Great, send it there, yeah. Um. So, yeah, so Barnet and Kiddy. Um, yeah. I reckon, be happy with four points from that? Are you going to go for four, six? Yeah, mate, exactly that. Four points is nice. Yeah. And even three, to be fair. We're rebuilding the season. We want to go full-time next year. We're doing yeah. a couple of mornings. Yeah, we're doing a couple of mornings. 
which is massive progress for us. And it's, it's made a difference. But I've worked out the league pretty much and I know the sort of players we'd need and the sort of setup we'd need. It's really, listen, this is what I was thinking last year when you was in it. Like, there's some really good clubs in this division and really good coaches. And um, it's a tough one. So it don't matter how much money you've got or, or whatever. It takes a lot of doing. So, yeah, we're, we're looking to rebuild it this year and um, next year have a bit more of an assault on it. But four points out of six, mate, if we get that, you know, I'll be happy. Do you, do you feel um, at this stage now that, you know, Dorkin are no longer this kind of fly in the ointment that people are starting to go, you know what, they're actually, they're not here to make up the numbers. They're here to keep going and they're here to keep progressing. Have you, have you know, do you still, you still get elements of, you're always going to get it from the fan base. So like, oh, we should be turning these over. But have you noticed that there's a bit more or any noticeable respect from fellow club officials and management? Do you see that? Yeah, it's a bit of a mixed bag, right? So, like, we definitely get a lot of respect and 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 love from from a lot of various people, directors, owners, management, fans, and then you get this other section of people that just think that underestimate us, but they are the driving force. That's how it's always been. We had that. We was being underestimated five divisions below this, <laughs> you know. So that comes with the territory. Uh, and once people tend to learn about us, they tend to to know not to sort of underestimate us as a team and a club and me. Um, and I think one of the sad things I see, it is sad, is like um, some of the ex-league clubs, um, some of their fans in part are just, they're entrenched in their history and not in the now. And they give their managers... I was at a club the other week, ex-football league club. We beat them away from home. So so, <laughs> so people can do their own maths on that. But in fact, I'll be straight. It was Halifax, actually. And they've got a tiny budget, council-owned ground, part fan-owned. They've just won the FA Trophy, had a trip to Wembley. We played them. They were fifth in the table. Best defensive record in the league. We nicked a win. And some fans were booing as they went off at half time. And you're thinking, mate, like, you may as well fucking start doing something else on a Saturday. If that is your vehicle to channel that sort of mindset, how sad. Do you know what I mean? And again, it's a minority. But so, yeah, we get that same minority sometimes that underestimate us or think we don't belong to be there. Um, but as I said sort of yesterday, in my <laughs> having got all that grief at Art Ball, who had, you know, a few fans who was in this camp, you know, in terms of like, you know, where they expect to be. And at the end of the interview, I said, well, I'll tell you where you should fucking be. Beating, you've been beaten 2 nil by Dawkins Wanderers. That's where you fucking are. Right. And it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, it's just, um, but, but it is a minority and, the majority of fans in all these clubs are fantastic. And the majority of fans in these clubs also know that they have these minorities as well and they don't appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could, we could talk all night and I don't want to, we don't want to keep you too much longer. It's 10 o'clock, you know, you've got work, we've got work to go to tomorrow, no doubt. Before we let you go, um, I hope you do 
fancy coming back on again in the future. It'd be great. Yeah. Um, give us your predictions for for our our games because we've got Mansfield on Tuesday and then we've got a Crawley, both away games, both fairly tough. Um, how do you see them going? Because you know you we, got, are, so... we, are, we are we are a leaky colander of catastrophe at the moment. Kamikaze. What's the what's the injury situation saying? So so with the walking wounded seem to be coming back in drips and drabs. There's a couple of couple of long termers like Leighton and Goal and stuff like that. But I think no, I mean, Leighton's always injured. Yeah, we, we we should be getting a couple of defenders back. Tony Clifton might be back soon. Um so yeah, the the, the injury front's not not that bad at all, really. Mm. It's I think, um, honestly, I think four points from six. I wouldn't see it being less than that for you. Um, you've got a manager that's been there, done it, mate, and he knows how to win. He knows how to win. Um, I remember the first season um, when Parky came in. Where were you then after about eight, ten weeks, twelve weeks from recollection? About tenth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I, I feel, and and that would have been sort of him feeling it all out, probably, wouldn't it? Having a little look mm. at it, learning, knowing what's what, and and that's just where it's going to be at the moment. So, um, there's always that big ticket bit as well, isn't there? When teams and clubs play you, you're playing Wrexham, so we won't do one hour's planning. We'll do two hours planning. Um, now nah, I think I think you'd be fine to be honest, mate. A couple of results off and running. Playoffs, playoffs would be would be a would be a great season. Really, that's the bottom line. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Uh, I think people can maybe going back to your point then about being entrenched in the past, and you align that with the takeover and the expectation and the money and the play that we bought. There's this thing that we've got to be top three for a promotion. We've got to be top three, and. I think it's it's probably important to temper those expectations a little bit. I think the way, the start we've had after ten games, where we're neither we're either very very good or very bad. There's no real middle point at the moment, so I think that's maybe tempered it a little bit. And I, I think you're right. And you know, yeah, Stockport did it playoffs. You know, so it's not not a foregone conclusion. There's a lot a lot of strong teams in this division as, as we find out. Oh, mate, very strong and and. I've got three, four boys out of that division, your division, in my club now. And they said this year is stronger than it has been in a long time. Really? So, yeah, that was their feeling. Um, they're, 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 they're stalwart sort of League Two players and um, they know that know the game. But listen, I mean, obviously what I do as a manager is, is I'm constantly, you, you try in your interviews to educate the supporters as to where you feel you are. I think that really benefits you as a manager, you know, to try and explain where you feel you are, if you're coming up short, if you're not, what you might be looking to do about it. I think as long as the supporters feel like they're informed uh, and understand what success looks like, then most people are on the same page, aren't they? But this is a tough league this year. And I just feel like possibly looking at what Parky's done over the years, such an esteemed manager with success behind him. There is no question he is going to know how to win this division. There is no question in that. If you look at what he's done already, right? 
I'll tell you one thing now as well, just, and listen, he's not sat next to me, right, yeah, and we don't talk, we don't talk. He's, he's good friends, actually, with our physio, because our physio was his physio at Charlton Athletic, right? But anyway, I'll say one thing. The fact that he even came all the way down to the National League and worked out how to win that, right, says a lot about his ability to know how to win. Because you can look at David Unsworth at um, Oldham Athletic. For all the experience in the world in leadership, Premier League football, higher level football, you know, to come, the National League is a niche. League Two is a niche. And Parkey, he knows this. He knows the gig. So I've no question that he'll he'll find a way to win and he'll be rebuilding as he goes along. I like that. That's a good speech. I like that. That's good on that, indeed. If you yeah, know, they, they, they might put it over the loudspeaker um, <laughs> at the ground. I might like fucking Napoleon. <laughs> it's a good way to end that. It's a good way to end the podcast. I know it's a waffle, but it ain't easy for a football league manager to go into the National League and and do what he done. Yeah. Um, it's not easy. It's a niche league. And League Two is not dissimilar. He'll, he'll be feeling it out 100%. On, on, on that, that absolutely worldy of a speech, I'm going to go Wrexham to end Mansfield's unbeaten run so far this season. Are they uh, unbeaten, yeah? Yeah, they're unbeaten, so we'll, we'll do a Rex and we'll get a clean sheet, a rare clean sheet. Ren, you know, rare as shit. We're not going to clean sheet. Yeah, We're, gonna draw. Well, We're not going to nah, get a clean sheet. 2-0 two nil, two nil at Mansfield. Right. I, th- okay. I, think we'll, I think we'll draw at Crawley because I think, I think Crawley's a tough game because they're playing good football. I think so, the other way around, hunch. Yeah. A hunch. I think we're going to draw at Mansfield. I think we're going to win at Crawley. Let's be positive. They've got um, Crawley uh, local to us, very local. Uh, I'm talking, well, from where I live, 10 minutes. Um, my understanding is they've got the third highest possession in the whole of British football right now, which is some stat, to be fair. Fair play to the, the new guy in there. Um, but is, is Paul back playing, Mullen? Yeah, he scored two yesterday. Yeah, yeah. So, best form of defence is attack, boys, you know that. Well, so, yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure you'll be off and running soon. We'll see. We'll see. Um, Mark, it's been like an absolute pleasure. Um, yeah. Never, uh, never a dull moment. Please come back on when you're uh, when you're celebrating promotion to League Two, and while we're sat there going fucking hell, we're here for another season. <laughs> no, mate. Listen, I, I appreciate the invite. Be more than willing to come back on. If Parky listens to this, feel free to send me some money um, ah. <laughs> towards our player budget. You can pay for your next fine. Pay for your next sending off. Yeah, well, to be fair, the last one was three hundred pound, and 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 uh, and I did say that on the way back from that very game, we spent two hundred and sixty-seven pound in Burger King. So um, I was relatively, <laughs> I was relatively happy with that. There you go. Yeah, it's a fair first one. You, you, you still send that Prada jacket to Luke Williams if he's if going to bring him all the shit luck in the world. <laughs> we can have that all day long. Um, happy days. Yeah, great stuff. Um, Bye, mate. Thank you so, thank you so much. Good, yeah. boys. We'll speak again soon, no doubt. Yeah, cheers.